But one of the things we had in the vision for November 8, 2015 was right at the end there that we have uh, interns that we hire from the seminary. Both uh, John and Zach said they want to get in on that game. <laughs> I told them they stick around to 2015. We'll see about it. We're looking at page six. Page six. And I believe we have agreement that the vision for 2015 is a good one and a God-honoring one and one to which we all want to apply ourselves. We all agree as well that the best time to address potential problems is before they happen. And we know from Scripture and we know from experience that this happens with churches. As I said in the first session, 80% of churches have either plateaued or are declining. We will not be an exception to that unless we take steps ahead of time to avoid it. And we see from the example of the church at Ephesus, a great church indeed with quite a legacy and a heritage, and yet they were not immune to this problem of decline. And Jesus told them in Revelation 2 and verse 5 to do uh, three things, to remember and to repent and to recover. Now in our case, all of us need to be repenting individually all the time. As a church as a whole, thankfully we're still on the the incline. But, so repenting for us really means renewing our agreement to improve and to continue to pursue what what we've been doing. But we can follow that paradigm that Jesus gave to a declining church and implement it for us before we hit that inevitable stage unless we take action. Let's do that beforehand to avoid hitting that stage. And so that's what we have for you on pages 6 and following. Three steps for continued vitality. And the first one that Jesus gave was to remember. And for us, what that means, I think, is for us to remember not the heights from which we've fallen, as was the case with Ephesus, but for us to remember the mission that the Lord has given us. And for some of you, that may not be right on the tip of your tongue. Others of you have heard me in various forums uh, talk about it. But it needs to be something that is at the forefront of all of our members' thinking. That if someone asks you, what are we about? What is the mission of our church? What are we trying to accomplish? Then all of us should succinctly be able to recite that uh, for ourselves and for others. And so I want to make sure that everybody knows, everybody remembers what our mission is. And I have for you at the top of page 6. The mission of CBC is to help, and I wanted you to fill this in because it's an important word, it's to help people. The mission of CBC is to help people. And as we're going to see going forward, none of the rest of this stuff happens unless you're reaching what? Who? Right? So that's why I have you fill that in. If If that's not happening, You can have the coolest discipleship program in the world. You can have the best classes that people can grow in of any church around. But if you don't have people flowing into those, it's not going to matter, is it? And so, that's extremely important. We are about helping people, which assumes there are people coming. It's to help people do three things. To help people learn about God. And I'm not asking not asking you all to uh, 
who knows this to embarrass anybody, but I, I will ask you as we fill this in to ask yourself, do I know? Can you, can, you fill that, can you fill in those other blanks right now? If you can, then really take this time to cement in your mind what we're about. We have three objectives. CBC exists to help people learn first about God. And then the third, second objective is to love Him and others. And the third objective is to live for His purpose. So our church exists to help people. But to help people do these three things, learn about God in priority order. You know, they, you can't love and live until you learn something about the God you're called to love. And so our church is and will always be a Bible teaching church because learning is indispensable to these other things. We exist to help people learn about God, love Him and others, and to live for His purpose. And the ministries of our church, the core in-reach ministries of our church, are designed to help people do those things. We have a discipleship track to help people learn about God. We have, uh, we have uh, community groups that are designed, their primary objective is to help people grow in their love for others. And that's why you're in a setting where you're in a living room. That's... It, there's overlap with all of these, but each of them has a specific emphasis. And for community groups, the emphasis is loving of others. And then living for His, his purpose is carried out as we carry the message. So we, we have to teach you to carry the message, to talk about how we've been doing that. But also to use your talents and abilities to contribute to the mission, living for His purpose. And so we have a ministry called Community Service to help you to do that. And so we're serious about carrying out these three objectives, learn, love, and live, so much so that the core ministries, in-reach ministries of our church are designed to help achieve each of these. But as I said, this all assumes, notice below, our mission assumes that we're reaching people. And that, and notice I have underlined and in bold, we. This assumes that we're reaching people and that we, you and me, you and I, are living for His purpose. And that includes reaching others for Christ. So we've got to remember what, what we're about. Okay, that's, that is what we're about. Our church is structured intentionally to do those things. Learn about God, love Him and others, live for His purpose. But as you remember that, I think you would also agree that only goes forward as each of us individually is living for, it, living for His purpose, which includes telling people about Christ, which allows us then to reach the people that fill the top of that, the top of that funnel. And if that does not happen, then all of the rest of it isn't going to matter because we've got nobody to do those, pursue those objectives with. And then you have a family meeting that says, how are we going to sell the assets? What do we do now? What, what, how do we pay the bills? And, and the existence of your church becomes a matter of trying to just stay alive. And that's how churches get into the 80% plateaued or declining.
So first we've got to remember what our mission is. Then we have to, in our case, renew our covenant to pursue that mission. And we'll spend a good bit of our time on these next two of these three steps for continued vitality. Renew our covenant. When I say covenant, it's a strong word. You know, it's, it's a word for agreement. But it's stronger than just an, an agreement. It's, 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 a, it's a formal contract. We have covenanted together to do these things. Every person here is either a member of our church or is looking to become a member of our church. So as a member of our church, you have covenanted. We have covenanted together to pursue this mission together. If you were not in agreement with the mission that we have, then you should have joined a church that you were in agreement with, right? But I believe all of you are. I'm not saying that to be unkind. I'm just saying I think we agree on that. We've covenanted together. We're in agreement. We've, we've contracted together to say we are going to together accomplish these things. So we need to renew them. That commitment that we have each made mutually to pursue the mission. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do it through personal witness. Personal witness. We've agreed that God has called us together to reach our community for Christ. And there are various ways we do that. Some of them are individual. Some of them are congregational. The first of these is individual, personal witness. We, we have to renew our commitment, each of us, to saying, I'm going to engage in personal witness to talk to the people that God has brought into my circle of influence to be used of Him to bring them to, to introduce them to the Savior. Now, how do we help you do that? Well, I have to do stuff like I'm doing now. You know, remind myself and remind you that that's part of what we're all about. And that we're making a commitment to try to reach those people. And I have an obligation, the church leadership has an obligation to offer training to help us to do that effectively. So, at our servants' retreat last year, we left off with saying, here's some things we need to do to broaden the base of our, our church. One of which was some of the training that we do. That's why this year, coming out of that, You've been involved on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock in a, in a series called Evangelism for the Faint-Hearted. And if you're taking Matt's class on Wednesday nights, he's in Discovery Book 4, which is discovering how to share your faith. So you're getting, you're getting blasted with a reminder of the importance of this and the way we go about it. And I've tried in the 11 o'clock hour, and I'm quite familiar, I've taught through the material that Matt's doing as well, that both of them are designed to try to take some of the fear out of it and to show that this can be a natural process of us engaging in conversation with the people that God has brought into our circle. But would you all agree that if we don't renew our commitment to do that, to intentionally focus on seeing that happen, praying about open doors and then looking for opportunities to walk through those open doors, then that will not happen. I think you would all agree on that. And so we have to renew each of us our commitment to do that. And if we do, now you take your 200, you take your 250 people, you can start to multiply that, can't you? And not everybody is going to win somebody in the next six months. Not every one of us is going to do that, but some will. 
And we each keep doing that six months later, somebody else is, and somebody else is, right? And you add that to the second thing that we have on your notes. Through personal witness, but not just personal witness, but through corporate witness. Personal and corporate. When I say corporate, I don't mean business. You know, I mean the corporation. I just mean together. That's what corporate means. Okay? We've we've banded together to do this. Through corporate witness. Now, you see I've got a bunch of notes about that because it's that important. The ways that we corporately have agreed, contracted, covenanted, agreed together to mutually be used of the Lord to reach our community through corporate witness. But let me say this before I get into those. You won't have one without the other. If you're not going to a church that's serious about the church itself being mobilized to reach people, that will disincentivize people to personal witness. And if you don't have people engaged in personal witness, then you can try everything you want with all this corporate stuff. And it's not going to happen because people are not motivated. You've got to have both of those going on. Being used of God in our personal witness, but also together we agree to do certain things to carry out outreach in our community. And that's what corporate witness is about. Now, how have we done that? Well, one of the primary ways we do it is through, you see number one there, the Discovering God Hour. I assume everybody knows this. But, you know, I get people who tell me or I get in conversations with folks and then it becomes clear to me that either they never knew that or they forgot it. And I don't know how that happens. And the reason I assume everybody knows it is, one, I'm so immersed in it myself and I've been immersed in it since we started our church because we came up with this structure to intentionally try to reach people corporately through having what we call the Discovering God Hour. I'm so immersed in it, sometimes I think I can make the assumption everybody else knows and remembers the deal. That's one. I think the other reason is because I do have a lot of times where I talk about this. I talk about it at our newcomers orientation. And so if you've taken our newcomers orientation, we go through what the Discovering God hour is is about. But it may be that for whatever reason you never took our newcomers orientation or something like that, but I can tell you there's some percentage of people in our church who don't know what Discovering Discovering God hour is supposed to be about. So for some of you, this will be a reminder. For some of you, it may be information. But I want to make sure that everybody in our church knows that corporately, together, we have agreed, we're covenanting to try to reach people through a number of means, one of which, and a chief of which, is the Discovering God Out. What is that? Well, when is the Discovering God Out? Well, one, it's a big fat lie, because now it's only 45 minutes. But it's 11 o'clock, or 11.15, right? That's, that's the Discovering God Hour. And I won't bore you with all of it, because most of you know, but you know, there's a rationale behind why we do it at 11 o'clock. It's called Discovering God, so that people can do that very thing, discover God. And it's at 11 o'clock, so people can sleep in, who don't normally go to church. So unlike most churches, we have our worship service first, and we have the education on our second. Most have educational first, worship second. The Bible doesn't say which. We can do it either way we want. We've chosen to do it this way for strategic reason. So the Discovering God Hour, the 11 o'clock or 11.15 hour, 
later in the morning so that the person who's not accustomed, the unchurched person, perhaps unsaved person, who's not used to church, can uh, stay, stay in bed a little bit longer before they have to roll out of the rack and, and accept your invitation to come to church. And what do we do during the Discovering God Hour? Well, we try to teach Siri that a person who is not familiar with the Bible can, can understand. And we try to do it in language that they can understand. Is everybody, anybody, am I right about this? This is what we try to do. Okay. So, virtually every series we've done in the history of our church during that Discovering God Hour has been stuff like, what's the difference between denominations and world religions? And where did the Bible come from? And what does the Bible say about ethical issues? And parenting with purpose and meant to last on marriage. And... Uh, 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 Where's God when it hurts? The one we did in the fall. All those sorts of series designed to do that very thing. Now hopefully they edify and build up the body as well, but they're designed to address things that an unchurched, unbelieving person cares about and can be introduced to Christ through as we show what the Bible says about the particular topic. That's the Discovering God Hour. The, next, the series that we're doing right now in the 11.15 hour is... Evangelism for the faint. That's not an outreach series. It's helping us learn how to do outreach. But did you know that's the first time we've we've done that? In the years we've in the years many of you have been here, that's the first time we've taken that hour to devote to something that's more of an in reach kind of an issue. And we did it, I decided to do it because it was that important. But normally we have a series going on at that time that we provide mailers invitations, email invitations for you to invite someone to. And our next series is April 19th. And it's managing our money God's way. And I've been announcing that now for the last several weeks. It's the week after Easter. So that when folks come on Easter, they'll get an invitation to come the next week to that series. So it's strategically put on the calendar that way. The week after Easter so that the Easter crowd will get invitations to come to it. But in the meantime, the covenant, the agreement that we have made is that you will invite folks to come to those series. And if we forget that, then we can have these cool series. But they're not accomplishing what they're designed to accomplish if we don't invite folks to come to them. Now, I think you're aided in that invitation by the topic, we got a lousy economy going on. We did a series on finances in January of 07, so two years ago, just over two years ago. Uh, this is different material we're going to do this time, and yet it is a bit quicker to renew the same topic than we normally do. Normally it's about four or five years. But the reason is, is because we think the economy warrants it, one. And as I said, we're going to be using different material. So this is the workbook that we'll be using. It has seven sessions in it. It has a CD in it. Everybody gets their own CD with a bunch of resources for them to use uh, personally to go with it. And it's called Managing Our Finances God's, God's Way. So this is what we're going to be using. Everybody who comes is going to get one of these. Every guest is going to get one of these for free. I said guest. <laughs> You ceased being a guest a long time ago. 
You're a loiterer. <laughs> doesn't he? Doesn't he hang out in the hallway? He just hangs out in the hallway all the time. <laughs> but the guests, you know, our first time guests, we'll get these for free. Yeah, these things are seventeen bucks, which means they'll cost you. But but listen, and, and you know you know what? There there are churches that wouldn't absolutely no way no how would they make the investment of seventeen bucks. But we do. We've given books away that cost twenty five dollars to folks, first time guests, because it's that important. Right? So you can invite with the confidence every time you invite a guest, whatever we're using, they get. And we'll be using this, and they get it, and it's, a, it's going to be a great tool for them. Okay? So the agreement that we have is you're going to make every effort, we're each going to make every effort to invite folks to come to each of those series. And this is the next one that's, that's coming up, managing our finances, managing our finances God's way. And look at the tools we provide. It says, should say tools, the mailers. And so we send out the mailers. We're going to do that here in a few weeks to invite folks to come impersonally, but we make the mailers available to you so that you can write addresses on them, put a stamp on it, and stick it in the mail to invite people that you know. So the mailers themselves, but also the smaller invitations, and then the email invitations. Now, I'll just, I beat that. You guys get it, I think. We'll move on. But let me just say, anecdotally, you know, when I see a stack of 500 of those invitations out on the resource table, and after a month, there are still 400 of them there. That suggests to me we've forgotten the agreement. That each one of us needs to be taking 20 of those. And giving them to people in our circle of influence. And so I'm reminding you of that, and I'm encouraging you then to take advantage of that, not only for this next series, but for the series in the future. Our agreement is B... That you bring folks, and notice, we all are present, and we provide a warm welcome. And this is, if you don't have that agreement, then you don't want to invite people. True. Well, is anybody going to be there? Is the joint going to look empty? If that's the case, you don't want one. And then two, what are people going to treat my friend like when they come? What's the pastor going to treat my friend like? when he or she comes. And I'm telling you, our agreement is that, notice, I say secondly, I will present it in a way they can understand and is not unnecessarily offensive. Notice, unnecessarily. There's just some stuff I just can't avoid. Because the Bible says it. So I'm not avoiding that. But I'll do it with all the love and compassion that I can muster as directly as I, as I can in ways that they can understand. And we have that agreement, though, so that you can feel comfortable inviting somebody, and I'm going to do it that way. Now, notice that first bullet. We're all present. You say, okay, I was there for the finance thing two years ago. You know, I've got it together pretty well. Why do I need to be there? And I don't have any friends coming. Well, okay, let's assume that's all true. You need to be there for the benefit of the other people that come. You say, well, okay, but there's plenty of other people to talk to this person and make them feel welcome. Now, now think about this for a second. You don't know the demographic of that individual that's coming through the door. 
And you may be the very person to make a connection with that, with that individual. They, they, they grew up in the town you grew up in. They, they do the same thing you do. They're in your age demographic. I'm just making it up. But you're trying to make a connection with them. And the agreement we all need to have is that we all are there. And we are all making every attempt to make every individual who comes feel as welcome as possible and to make a connection with them. And you are part of that, and I'm part of that. Okay? And so, get, if you're in that mentality, and I trust not many of you are, but if you're in that mentality, then I can take it or leave it, especially if I don't have a particular friend coming. I'm asking you to get out of that now as part of our corporate witness. We have together structured our church to have that time to accomplish that, and every one of us is a part of it. Inviting people, being there, greeting people, and I have a role to play in that as well. Final thing about my role, I'll move on. I mean this. If you ever bring a guest to our, to our church, particularly during that second hour, and I say something that is unnecessarily offensive, I want to know about it. I mean that. I, I constantly want to improve what I'm doing and communicating to the unbelieving, unchurched folks that come. And the better I do that, the more inclined people will be to, to, to bring them. Now, it needs to be unnecessarily. If you say you told them they were a sinner, well, sorry. Okay? Now, if I said you're dirty, you're rotten, you're going to hell and you deserve it, I wish I could be there to, you know. So through corporate witness and the discovering God hour, and we're renewing our agreement to do that as we remind ourselves about our mission. And then we've got a full calendar of events that we agree together, that we are inviting people to, and that we're putting corporately on the calendar for that purpose. We notice I say there, move out, they move in, settle in, and fit in. I've been using that imagery for, for several years just because we're called community. Um, and, and so we've used image an image of you, you move into the community, you settle into the community, and then over time you begin to fit in. That's the idea. But we've added, we've added something to it, and that is that very first one. It's not just inviting folks to move in, settle in, and fit in, but it's us moving out. And so we're, we're looking to hit on all of those as part of our corporate witness to our community. The truth of the matter is we have not done a whole lot in the moving out into the community category in years past. We have sent stuff out and said, come on in, but we haven't done a whole lot in going out into the community. And if you're going to be as effective as possible, it's not just we invite you to come in, it certainly is that, but it's also us going out to where you are. We've done some of that, but not a bunch. So, here are some of the things that are scheduled for us to do, and these are some of these are new things for us to do in moving out into the community. Memorial Day service at Woodhaven Park. Where's Woodhaven Park? Right next to Patrick Henry. That's the park with the big hill. And, okay, So, what we would like to do is on Memorial Day have a, have a service. Uh, that is on a Memorial Day 
sort of thing. That is going out to where people are. Are there going to be people at the park on Memorial Day? Yes. Will we invite people to come to, to that service as we honor those who have, uh, have served our country? It's a way for us to go out into the, the community. This is one that we have done, but uh, I am convinced that not all of our ladies either know about it or have renewed their agreement with it. You see Operation Playground? And that's in the summer, of course, but the idea is for our ladies to just go out to where other ladies are. So in the summer, setting up a weekly schedule to meet at a particular park and just have your kids play, and you in turn are meeting other moms who are having their kids play there. And while you're there, you've got an invitation to, uh, to come to our church because that gal you're talking to says, so where are you guys all from? Oh, these are friends of mine from our, and here we go, right? And if she's an unchurched person, she's got a little kid, she's doing what a lot of people are doing. What am I going to tell this kid about God? You guys all seem like nice people. Do you have any kids' programs? And you tell them about our kids' programs, and thankfully we, thankfully we do. Operation Donut Shop. Same idea. <laughs> now, you know, the idea here would be, the idea is the same idea as Operation Playground. It's something I've thrown out a few times. But particularly our, our seniors, I would encourage you to think about that same way as Operation Playground. And I would encourage our friends group, our 50 and over group, to add to the terrific things that you guys already do with in-reach getting together with each other and saying on some of those occasions we're, occasions, we're all going to invade, I'm saying a donut shop, we're all going to invade some place on a regular basis, just like the ladies do at the playground. It's just the principle of just going to where people are in your demographic to then get to know them and the same idea. So who are all you people? And after they see that you're not as weird as they heard, then they might be more inclined to accept an invitation from you to come to an event. Harvest Moon weekend, we tried that last September, and you remember there was a tsunami. <laughs> but we're, we're going to do it, we're, so we're going to do it again. Where's Harvest Moon weekend? It's right on Hall Road, right there at Woodhaven Park. So we had a booth set up with our stuff, and it just rained and rained and rained. Okay. So this year we'll do it again. The parade that's supposed to go right down Hall Road was rained out. But, Lord willing, it's not rained out this year, and we'll, we'll be doing that. Peer pressure workshop. What's that? Well, that is something that we are going to invite uh, junior high and senior high age kids to through the Woodhaven Brownstown schools. I say this with a smile on my face. I'll tell you why in a moment because we're going to distribute literature through the schools. Yeah. Okay, you guys are clapping because you know that, that we've had this dispute with them. Well, they conceded this week that, that we can do that, and they were wrong for not allowing us to do that. And so this fall, we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to put our flyers out to advertise Kids for Truth. So you say we don't got to move either? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole rent thing is still going on. But they conceded that piece. And so we'll be able to do that this fall. Advertise Kids for Truth through the Woodhaven Brownstown Schools. And invite 
junior high, senior high kids to a peer pressure workshop on Wednesday night. Does the Bible have stuff to say about peer pressure? Absolutely. Calls it the fear of man. But that's the kind of thing we'll that's the kind of thing we'll, we'll do. Okay. Apple Fest Parade, because we were doing the Harvest Moon Festival parade, we thought we didn't do Apple Fest last year, and that, in my opinion, was a mistake. We we should do both. Okay? And so we're going to do both parades, one in September and one in October. The truth is that, that uh, Apple Fest Parade costs us very little, and it's an opportunity for us to, uh, to uh, just get out in front of the community, so why not do it? So we're going to do both. Okay? Top of page 7. To be scheduled events, Community Cares, and Community Cares is doing projects in the community doing projects for the schools, for City Hall, for seniors in the community. It's something we want to do annually, and you can get you can get newspaper publicity for doing that. You know? Such and such church on this day did all these things, and it just gives you, you know, very positive publicity, advertising out in the community, as we all take a Saturday to go engage in those projects. Okay? Evangelistic community groups, that would be on Sunday evenings, and if Sunday evenings doesn't work out, it could be Friday evenings, but they're designed to meet in a home and to have invite unchurched, unbelieving folks to come to them. So, for instance, some of you, in fact, I know uh, Bob and Audrey are involved in something called the Truth Project right now, and they're getting kind of a a review of that and have been for several weeks. It's a DVD-based series that they're enjoying very much, but it's the kind of thing that you could use as an outreach evangelistic community group. Invite somebody into the home for the Truth Project uh, series. And there's a bunch of those like that. Bible studies, MOPS. What is MOPS? That is Mothers of Preschoolers. Counseling and so on at the Ministry Center. Well, where's the Ministry Center? Well, and the question that was asked earlier was, well, you know, what about this building thing? If we don't have our own church building, how does that impact us? Well, we just have to get creative with it. And so we are in a uh, discussion, the way I'll put it, with the school district right now. They've conceded on the literature thing, and I'm waiting to get the bottom line from them on their new, they are revising, they're revising their building use policies. They've revised, in fact, they tell me they've already revised them. And they tell me they've revised them for them to not, no longer discriminate between groups. Some of you know that the school district has been discriminating on rent between church groups and other groups. And I think they realized, just like they did with the literature, now they realize the error of their way. So they're revising that. They just asked us this week for how many rooms are used for children and how many rooms are used for adults. And we gave them that this week, and they're going to let us know what it's going to cost us next year to use the building under their revised policy. Now, why are they dividing children and adults? I think to put us our children's ministries on par with people like the Boy Scouts who have been using it for free for all these years. So I don't know what that's going to mean. It could mean that our children's ministries then are free. And that's most of the rooms we use, by the way. That's the good news, if it happens that way. The bad news is they may increase the adult use. I, I just don't know yet. So we're waiting to hear any day what that change in policy is going to mean for the bottom line. Now here's why I tell you that. It's our hope that that bottom line frees up some monies for us to look into a ministry center. The kind of ministry center that I mentioned. 
administrative offices, classrooms, to do the very kinds of things through the week that we're unable to do right now. So we'll keep you posted on that. So those are move out into the community sorts of uh, sorts of events on the calendar. And then there's move in, settle in, and, and fit in. Moving in to our community. And what we mean by that is these are the kinds of events where you would invite somebody for a first time. Now I'll throw in this quick uh, uh, disclaimer to that. Some of the settle in events can be first timers as well. And you could move them under different categories. I don't really care. But the idea is we have on our calendar events to which you could invite somebody who's unfamiliar with church, unfamiliar with us, and give them an opportunity to get familiar with us before they even ever come to church. So that one of their barriers, obstacles, is removed. Presumably they like you. So they know at least one Baptist who is not completely wacko. But maybe they consider you the exception to the rule. And you want them to know, no, there's about five others. <laughs> and so you invite them to some of these events. And it's, an, it's a very important way to break down these barriers that folks have to, to religious types like us. So move-in events are you know, discovering God, our sportsman's dinner, of course our Easter service on April 12th, We've had mother-daughter teas. You're going to hear after lunch about the Challenge Cup golf outing on July 11th. Breakout classes this summer for young married and 30, 39 home builders, married and mostly with children. And then at the end of that, a vow renewal ceremony that we want to advertise in the community on Saturday, August the 22nd for folks to renew their vows. August the 22nd. And by the way, any of you that want to renew your vows, we did this back several years ago. Some of you participated then. We had, I think, six couples participate. Um, and I like it because I feel like a cult leader. <laughs> Is that on the literature? Because I, I have all these couples that I pronounce married all at the same time. You know? It's like one of those Mooney events. <clears throat> But that will be on August 22nd. Now notice the $900 from the foundation. You see that in parentheses there? We've, we've been given $900 to do that, to advertise it and set it up from a foundation that I found out about late last year that is gives money to churches to do evangelistic stuff. And I was at uh, a month ago, yeah, last month, on a Saturday, I went to a campus ministry thing at Wayne State, and the, there was a lady there who's on the board of this foundation. And when I introduced myself, she knew who I was because she had seen our application. And we know some mutual friends, and she said, you need to let me be your champion for these projects. So now that you know, I know that you're, you're doing this, you can submit the application to me, and I'll go to bat for you to get monies in the future for some of these projects. So we'll see what that means going forward, but all you do, the application's pretty simple. So I'll give her 15 applications <laughs> next year, and we'll see we'll see what happens. Okay, but we're getting $900 this year for the uh, for the vow renewal ceremony, ladies' Christmas tea, Christmas Eve service, and and so on. You see, it. settle in, and as I said, these can be very effective move-in events as well. You know, ice skating. You have an ice skating event on February 21st, as we did, and some of you brought 
unsaved, unchurched folks to that, and they had a chance to just meet our folks in that sort of setting. And it's a, a very effective way to break down those obstacles. So coming up, May 15th, is the Mud Hens game. That is a very good way for you to think about bringing somebody to an event that's not at church where they can meet some of our folks, May the 15th. Our backyard fellowships, one each in June, July, and August, the picnics we have on Memorial Day and Labor Day, and so on. And then we have our fit-in. That's after somebody has come in to the church. These are more in-reach events. They include our worship service, obviously, our community groups, our community institute, leadership institute, the ladies' late-nighter, family meetings, men's retreats, getting involved in community service, and so on. Here are some future initiatives that we hope to have. Those things I've laid out there are mostly things we're doing, some to be scheduled at the top of page 7. But future initiatives, we want to develop an introductory DVD, and that's one of the things we're going to ask the foundation to help us fund, is creating an introductory DVD for our, for our church that we can give out to, to folks. Cable program. Have you guys ever, you guys ever seen on you know, local cable these cheesy uh, <laughs> church services? You know what they do? So we're into cheesy, so we'll do that. Well, well you know, I've often thought that, one, do you know how much folks pay for that? They pay nothing for it. Um, so, back 30 years ago, when the cable industry was getting licenses from Congress to be able to lay line, one of the things they had to do was promise to give time to, to community organizations for free. That's why you see those things on Channel 20 or whatever it is. Okay? But they're, as we say, we're laughing because they're kind of grainy and sort of cheesy and you know, the person who gets up to sing during the service, it's all tinny and all the junk. We don't want to do that. But but if you have an introductory DVD for your church that's professionally done and goes for 10 or 15 minutes and you show that, and then the other 15 minutes just shows some clips of what we do at church, and most of it is a Q&A time with me and Larry... Larry throwing me softball questions <laughs> that we're answering to try to make a connection with anybody that might, might catch it. So it can, the point is it can be done right and it can be done, it can be done for free airtime, but you have to put the initial production time into it. And that's why we call it uh, future, future initiatives. There's a newsletter called Our Town. It's another thing we'll ask the foundation to help us fund next year, but Our Town is a colorful newsletter that is all laid out, a company puts it together, and then they've got in spots where you put your events and specific stuff about you in it, and it can go out to the entire community. And it's the Our Town newsletter. Okay? It's the, there's a, there's a, a company that does that. Children's Sports Ministry, there are ministries called Upward Sports, Mega Sports Camps. We have 10 acres on Inkster Road with, with no building on it. Guess what? That would be a cool place someday to have a soccer clinic, wouldn't it? That our church is sponsoring. And are people into bringing their kids to soccer camps? And all? all right, you get the idea. And then transition ministries, top of page 8. I'll finish these off and we'll break for lunch. I mentioned in the vision statement, transition ministries for newborns, teens, graduation, marriage, empty nest, the kids have left the house, retirement. These are all natural, the natural phases of life where, wouldn't you agree, there are potential times where somebody can get off track in their life. Every, every one of them. 
You have that first child and it messes, you, you, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do with the child. It's messed up our schedule, our priorities, and, and we're, we're now at each other. We're having problems, the husband and the wife. Right? We know this happens. It may well have happened to you when you had your first child. The adjustment was just very hard. Well, we've got people who've gone through that and navigated through it and can, and can help people with that. And so we can have classes to help people with just stuff like that. Having a new baby, this is, this is the stuff I learned through that, and I can help you with that. And all, the other, all those other transitions, we've got people in our church who have gone through that and have valuable uh, experience to, to provide. Those are natural transitions, but then there are what I call crisis transitions. Everybody, if they live from cradle to 75 or 80 years old, they're going to go through those natural transitions. But then there are times in life where you just get hit with stuff. Family problems, illness, addiction comes into a family, death, and and so on. Some of the things we want to do in the future, just so you're aware of it, are develop methods to continually fund the mission, keep the change, is this. You guys are you guys are aware of uh, the individual uh, credit card deal where you can I think Bank of America LaSalle I think LaSalle does it Bank of America does it and so if you use their credit card then and you spend five dollars and twenty cents they round it up to the next dollar so eighty cents goes into just uh, another account and every time you use it you know forty cents is going in eighty cents is going in and over time you're just saving a bunch of money with it, okay well the idea would be to have one of those where the 80 cents doesn't go to you, it goes to the mission. What if we had people, bunches of people in the congregation who said, I'm going to use that card and the change, just like for our missions coin offering, it's sort of an automated missions coin offering. The change is going to go in to fund our, our outreach. Okay? You, could collect, you could collect a lot of money fairly effortlessly uh, in a in a fairly short period of time, leave a legacy simply means this: that we need to start teaching our folks that you know when the Lord takes you home, that you want to think about funding ministry after you're gone. You want to think about taking care of your children and all that stuff too, of course. But you want to think about how what you have accumulated can help fund ministry going going forward as well. That's what leave a legacy is, and that's how. Many churches and Christian institutions have successfully perpetuated themselves is because folks have caught that vision and said, the ministry is going to be a part of my planning for for the future. And then a mission foundation. I actually already had somebody in our church come and talk to me about this. Uh, you know, God has blessed all of us differently. Some we got even in a tough economy, some folks that have been blessed. Uh, uh, tremendously, and uh, have come and said, "How can I use some of that to to fund ministry?" I said, "Well, let me count the ways." You know? But one of the ways is to establish a trust or a foundation for that very purpose. And so we've got some folks in our church who are looking into that. And you know, I don't know anybody's situation unless you've told it to me, because I don't see who gives at our church. Most of you know that. I don't know that information, but I don't know how where folks are on that. But uh, if you fit into that category, if it's something you want to do long range, then let me know about that, and I'll hook you up with the other people who are trying to do that as well. Okay. And then finally, all of that taken together will help us prepare to uh, birth a daughter church. 
I've got two minutes, and then we break for, for lunch. But let me say this. Uh, I did some calculating, and that if our church grows 15% uh, in the, each of the next two years, now we grew 10% last year. If we grow 15% each of the next two years, then we will have 300 people. At 300 people, we are very close to being able to take kick 50 out and go start another church. That's just in a couple years. okay? But none of that will happen. Even that 15% will not happen if we don't do the kinds of things that we're talking about here. So it's not we have to grow 50%. 15% each of the next two years. 300 people. 50 we kick out. I've already got the list of 50 people. That we're <laughs> And then we're able to plant our first church. And we have we have folks who will be very excited about, about doing that. Okay? So if we do these things and recommit ourselves, renew our contract, renew our agreement to do these things, God can do great things through us just over the next few years. Okay? We're gonna pray, ask the Lord's blessing on the lunch. And as we pray, I mentioned this uh, church that's having a standing meeting tomorrow. Let's pray for them as well. Okay? We're having a very crucial meeting tomorrow about the future of the church. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our lunch and let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you for this time once again that we could come apart and focus our minds on the joyful work to which you have called us. Lord, I thank you again for these dear brothers and sisters and their commitment to your work. And we're excited, Lord, about the things you're going to accomplish through us as we renew our contract, renew our agreement to to give all that we can uh, of ourselves to pursue reaching folks in our community. Lord, we believe that everything that we are, everything we have, comes from you. We believe that the food we're going to partake is from your gracious hand. And so we ask your blessing upon our, our lunchtime. And Lord, our, our hearts are heavy because of this news about uh, our friends at, uh, at, a, at a sister church who are having difficulties and have come to a point, a very crucial point, in the existence of their, of their ministry. We ask you, Lord, to work in hearts. We ask you to work in minds to grant, to grant wisdom. We ask you to intervene in this situation so that your folks will be unified and that they will do the kind of thing that we're trying to do here, that they will remember. They'll remember what they're about. And they'll recommit. They'll repent. And that they'll recover the things that, uh, that have been lost. And Lord, we ask that that would happen. Yes, for their benefit, because we love brothers and sisters who love you. But more important than all of that, Lord, we ask this so that the light of your gospel would continue. And would continue to, uh, and would continue such that the embers that are now there would become the flame that once was. We commit this to you and we ask you to do it and trust you with it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, enjoy lunch. Everything's arrived.